Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dementia Dialogue. Today's episode features Laura Middleton and Bill Heibein. Laura is an associate professor in the Department of Kinesiology and Health Science at the University of Waterloo. Dr. Middleton's work broadly looks at the role of physical activity and also other lifestyle strategies like healthy eating, cognitive and social engagement on promoting the well-being of people living with dementia, as well as reducing the risk of dementia. Bill has been living well with a diagnosis of dementia for 24 years. He lives near Thunder Bay and owns and operates a farm. He has been involved in many research projects with various universities and researchers. Bill decided to get involved in the Dream Project because of his interest in items that will be covered, like physical activity. He truly believes that physical activity is the reason he continues to live well with dementia. On this episode, Lisa Loisel will speak with Laura and Bill about the dementia resources on eating, activity, and meaningful inclusion, also known as the DREAM Project. Tell me what DREAM stands for and uh, what the project is all about. DREAM stands for Dementia Resources on Eating, Activity, and Meaningful Inclusion. After much debate amongst the research team (laughs) is what we came up with. We had a few different words, I think, along the way. And the goal of the project is to improve the number and quality of exercise opportunities and supports that are available to people living with dementia. And I shouldn't say exercise, I'm thinking back, physical activity, healthy eating and wellness supports that are available to people living with dementia and their families. So part of what we do is around training the people providing those services in the community, whether it's staff or volunteers, um, to understand dementia, recognize their rights to participate, and to develop strategies for how to adapt their delivery of programs and services so that people living with dementia can participate. And the other end is actually developing you know, resources that are targeted to people living with dementia and care partners themselves. Right. So, Bill, I understand why you were drawn to this project, being the active uh, and involved person that you are. So just to clarify, this is not a program, per se. This is not something that you've created that people can come to But this is something that, uh, like you said, it's you are training other people to then be mindful and to welcome and be open to supporting people living with dementia to keep them healthy and well like Bill. Bill, tell me about how you are involved uh, specifically in the uh, DREAM project. What really drew me to it was having had the doctors tell me that whatever I was doing to keep doing it. I'm convinced that it was the daily physical activity. Uh, The amount of physical activity they recommend for a person in a week, I do every day. I thought, well, if if that's what I think it is, and if Laura is going to do research into this, I thought it would be interesting and possibly beneficial for me as well to be involved in this to see if my views are correct as to what's keeping me going. Even days when I'm not physically active with horses or in the barn. As Laura knows, I have roughly three miles of bush trails all cut and that I brush out every year. Uh, that all winter, I and my dog were out snowshoeing. 
basically we ride trails with the horses when the weather's good and in the summer we simply walk. In addition, I have um, four beaver ponds at the back of the property. And I contract with beaver timber and logging. Their job is to knock the trees down. They can eat the brush. They can eat the branches, eat the leaves, but they leave all the trunks for me. And I heat with wood, so that's my firewood for the winter. I just have to bring it back, cut it up, and go from there. So it, it was my interest, really, in physical activity and what I think physical activity can do for a person who has the diagnosis of dementia that really got me interested in this project. I think this program provided us with more of a bottoms-up approach. Uh, instead of the program saying, this is what you should do based on what experts in the field say we should be doing, the program came to people with dementia who were involved in it and basically said, now, what do you feel would be beneficial? And by having a number of us involved, as um, Laura did, who have a diagnosis of dementia, we were able to play off of each other and talk about what we have found is beneficial to us. So I think it was that overall discussion among the group of this concept as to what we are currently doing that will help develop a program for people in the future. That's great. And, and Laura, so tell me a little bit about the, the genesis of, of this program. And, and can you say a little bit about what the research how that's informed what you're doing? The very start of this project um, actually started with a focus just on exercise. And that's where, Lisa, you were involved way back in the beginning, and Bill initially came on board. And the impetus for that initial project was that I had just worked closely with uh, the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario to kind of develop their Minds in Motion program and evaluate it. And you know, it was successful, there was lots of improvements, people enjoyed it, but it was clear that the you know, once a week Minds in Motion wasn't going to be enough. Can you just talk a little bit about what Minds in Motion yes, is? Yes, of course, yeah. So the Minds in Motion is a program offered by the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario and actually many Alzheimer's societies across Canada, um, started in BC actually. Uh, but it has a portion of time that's dedicated towards exercise and then a portion that's social and cognitive stimulation, different games and activities um, that people do together. Okay. And so we were involved with the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario when they were coming up with their program and evaluated it. And it, as I said, it was quite successful. But, you know, their physical activities improved by a little because the program was once a week. And the other thing that we know is that, you know, one program can't be enough for everyone. You know, people with dementia have different abilities, they have different preferences, they have different histories. So there's no way any one program is going to meet everyone's needs. So I think I came out of that and thought, you know, we have to make more activities accessible to people. Like we can't have, a, you know, a hundred individual, you know, dementia specific activities, but these exist in our community. So why can't people just be included? I think actually you were probably one of the first people I talked to about this project, Lisa, about, okay, what could this look like? And I think I sat in your, your office and we flushed out some ideas together and what the first steps might look like. So at the center of all of this is you and uh, those that initial conversation or two where we came up with a plan. And I think our very first plan was to talk to people living with dementia about whether this 
resonated with them. And so that's where we talked to the Ontario Dementia Advisory Group, of which Bill was a member, as was Carol, who also joined at that time. And mm-hmm. it, we presented our ideas and, and they met after I talked, you know, I left and they talked about whether the idea resonated and was there anyone who wanted to be involved. And I was fortunate in that Bill and Carol Johannesson, who also was part of both Dice and Dream, both agreed to take part. And that that was that was the start. And we added, you know, researchers and we added, you know, exercise providers at that time to the YMCA. We have locally community support connection, which does both Meals and Wheels, but also exercise services in the community, uh, the Alzheimer's Society, the city of Kitchener was involved, you know, as a few partners. And so we focus on exercise and that was the Dementia Inclusive Choices for Exercise Project. And then we realized at the end of that, well, but, you know, wellness isn't just about exercise. It's about all these things. So maybe we should expand and add healthy eating too. And the other thing that the reason we expanded is because I realized not everyone's coming to places that offer exercise programs, right? They, if you don't speak English well, you might get the programming at a cultural center or at, you know, a mosque or at a church or somewhere else. It, It might be that you're going for a walk with a community group, a cultural group. It's, in all these different places. So by saying it's exercise, it's kind of restricted. So we really wanted to broaden it so that what we created was more inclusive. And that's where Dream came from. So it was the addition of eating and also really making sure what we created kind of resonated to staff or volunteers that were working in any of these different settings, supporting people's wellness. In terms of the research and what we know about you know, physical activity and healthy eating is, you know, when we look broadly at what may be beneficial, we have a few drugs that are approved and they have a little bit of a benefit, but, you know, physical activity, even if you're just looking cognitively, which is very narrow, of course, you know, it probably has at least as much effect as any of those drugs. And then we also know that physical activity has broad benefits, you know, that it impacts your physical health, obviously, it affects your mental health, it affects your you know, functional abilities, your ability to just go through your daily life independently. And actually, when we talk to people living with dementia, really listen to them rather than just you know, measuring this set number of assessments, I find often people also talk about the social impact of physical activity first. They talk about the people that are around them, the encouragement they get, you know, the meaningful engagement just in within programs and with others. Even when, you know, Bill does all his farms, but he he has people over regularly to go snowshoeing or through the trails in the summer to help him chop wood or, you know, do do the work of his farms or with his neighbors across the street interacting. So, you know, these pieces are important pieces of physical activity that we often forget about. And I think healthy eating is in some way is similar in that there's benefit for your physical health. Of course, you know, for a person living with dementia, just like any other person, right? It doesn't suddenly change when you have a diagnosis. And I think people with dementia are also at a bit higher risk of malnutrition and just having problems with eating. You know, swallowing can be an issue. 
And so there's all the more reason to pay attention. But there's also the social benefits, right? We talk about meal time and the meaning of eating together, mm. which we all miss during COVID, right? You know, being yeah. able to go and have dinner and have food around the table with you, Lisa and Bill, like how fabulous would that be? Because it brings value. You share things, you share conversation, you share foods that are meaningful that you enjoy. And so they have both healthy eating and physical activity have these broad benefits beyond what's normally measured in clinical trials. Now, Bill, I understand. So in addition to all of the exercise that you uh, that you engage in every day, you do, and Laura has already alluded to this, You have, there is a lot of social engagement. And one that she didn't mention is the fact that you play in a band and have for decades. Tell me about that and how you think that has contributed to the good results that you've had. Well, the bottom of the barrel, I've been playing bass with him now for 48 years up here. But um, I played professionally in Toronto for a number of years before we ever moved up here. This is, this is way back in the, in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. I played in, on the hotel circuit down there. But uh, the big thing I think about music, and we've really, really noticed this in some of the seniors' homes, is that um, there'd be a lot of cases where people are in the very, very advanced stages of dementia. And as you know, music will bring out memories in certain areas of the brain that last much longer than other sections of the brain where they're starting to lose things. And we've had, well, one instance in particular was in St. Joseph's Hospital here, where we played in um, one of the, the wards. And um, one of the individuals who was there with his care partner uh, literally didn't know what day it was, didn't, didn't know her, didn't know anything. And at the end of one of our sessions, this care partner came up and said, just amazed, just absolutely amazed that her husband had suddenly started singing the words to the song. He knew she, who she was. And for a period of two to three minutes, they were together again. And then he was gone. So we've had some tremendous good sessions and occasions coming from playing with the bands. Laura, can you tell me about some of the resources that you've created? So we talked about, you know, the dream uh, project, but on the ground, what does that look like? What, what have you developed over the last, you know, the length of your, of the, the project and how do you disseminate that? What's, what's that process look like? So what we created in each of these are, I think actually the most important thing we created were videos that included people living with dementia care partners, community service providers, um, so either exercise or healthy eating, dietitians that were meant to destigmatize dementia in these areas, you know, to really help people understand that people living with dementia are, are people. They're still themselves and they still want they want the same supports as everyone else. And you talk about, of course, how physical activity and healthy eating were related to living well and how really small changes could promote inclusion. And so I think um, as we've gone through some of the discussions of people who've done the training, you know, it's the videos that are first and most impactful. Um, but those are housed in training, you know, learning modules for community service providers that talk about, you know, the diversity of dementia. So not just this one little view of end of life, which is often the case, but 
all the changes that can be experienced, the different types of dementia, the rights of people living with dementia, which I think is really important, that they have a right to participate in their communities and to have equal supports for the health and well-being, and then dementia-inclusive strategies around physical activity, healthy eating, and, and meal times, and and broadly, you know, communication is accessible no matter what you're doing. You know, facility design is accessibility no matter what you're doing. So a lot of these are these are general generalizable as well. And then finally, we have a variety of resources that related to either you know guidance around physical activity and healthy eating, some strategies to get started, you know when it might be time to see you know a, a healthcare professional, you know a variety of different tools. So, is this housed on a website? Where where can you find the information about the the Dream Project? Yeah, it is housed on a website. So it's www.dementiawellnesscanada.com. The learning modules are all free. The resources can be downloaded from there. Um, we're just in the process of printing out so that we can also mail them if anyone wants. Okay. Um, so they can always contact me at the University of Waterloo as well if they'd like printed con copies. So Laura, how has this uh, project, if if you have any sense of that at this point, what's been the reaction and how do you think it's having a difference when it comes to the stigma surrounding dementia? I, it, you know, it's hard to tell. I'll have all the answers yet. You know, certainly in terms of our own evaluation, we're still working through the pieces. I mean, I think it's, preliminary looks or it's really changed the confidence of people in working with people living with dementia, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's the same thing we heard from students in the classes where now all of a sudden they have, like, it's not the fear anymore that's driving them. They know they have these strategies. And so they go in and that leads to the opportunity to engage if you're no longer afraid of engaging because of, you know, this very narrow set yeah. of dementia that's often the very late stages end of life. Yeah, and, uh, the late great Roger Marple would say, you know, the reverse chronological view of dementia, right? Thinking only of those last stages. So I think, you know, if you can change their confidence, then you change the likelihood of them actually engaging, and then they realize what's possible, hopefully, yeah. as opposed to assuming what's not. Lisa, another thing that I, I have been doing a lot of reading on lately is that um, the benefit, first of all, the benefits of exercise are great. But the benefits of exercise that gets the heart rate up, gets that heart rate pumping, gets the blood flow at an increased rate to the brain cells. And I've been reading that a lot of the brain cells that die, the cells on the sides of those with the increased blood flow are starting to cross fire. Mm -hmm. And in many sections, they're starting to reprogram. Mm -hmm. So again, the benefits of exercise, you can't, you can't knock it, but it has to be exercise that really gets you moving and really gets the blood flow. It's interesting. I had, um, you know, a kinesiologist who worked often with people living with dementia. So that's the kind of point that she took across is that it's not enough to just get people moving gently, which she might have, you know, kind of thought that, but that she really can get people active you know, in, in ways that improve their physical, their brain health, as as Bill's alluding to, that 
that's still possible for a long time, you know, through the dementia journey. Can people still benefit from this after a diagnosis and later in life? Absolutely. Um, I think the most, uh, a growing number of, of, you know, guidelines for what we should be offering people living with dementia include exercise now and physical activity that there's, especially when you think about the broad benefits, but it, there's pretty good evidence that it even improves your thinking ability and, and brain health. And, you know, certainly improves your strength and your fitness and your functional abilities and um, likely your ability to communicate and, you know, your social, your, your mental well-being and your depressive, your risk of depression. That's all in people living with dementia. Often the focus of clinical trials is still just on cognition, which, you know, is important, but is not the only thing. But certainly, you know, we know that physical activity has these broad benefits in people living with dementia. And even if you're looking at people, you know, with frailty at onset, you know, physical activity is probably one of the best treatments. It might have to be more closely supervised, but, you know, that's, you know, sitting is bad for almost everyone. Physical activity is pretty much always better. Healthy eating, there's less about specific diets in people living with dementia versus before that. But there's no reason to think that what is a healthy diet all of a sudden changes. And we certainly know that, you know, because of some of the eating challenges that can occur with dementia, uh, that paying attention to healthy eating is really important. And uh, I know there's work that, so Heather Keller is a a dietitian and and senior researcher who's also on this project. And she's done a, a lot of work, some of which was with Cherry Dupuy as well, earlier in her career around the value of mealtimes as well, that really say that that's a really important, meaningful activity to keep going. Have you ever seen any type of program like this before? Is, is this, are there other programs like this? Is, is yours unique? And, and how is this different than other programs that are out there? Yeah, so we looked around when we started. I mean, way back when we were starting, Lisa and Bill, the three of us together with a team that evolved with, you know, people from Northern BC, Shannon Freeman, Chelsea Pelletier, they're a larger team. We only identified one other place that really provided any, you know, exercise, training to exercise professionals at that time. And that was a a group called Late Life Training in the UK. And they offered some in-person training. I haven't found anything else since. There's there's little bits of dementia-friendly training that might target you know, recreational facilities broadly, mm-hmm. but not, you know, really the delivery of these wellness programs. And our sense um, with engagement with people providing, you know, eating and broader wellness programs is there's also no training out there. You know, dietitians often would know very little about dementia unless they happen to be working in a very specialized setting as opposed to in the community. And so, uh, we saw it as a real gap in terms of, you know, there's been more more developed around, you know, understanding dementia and improving people's knowledge, but you know, this promotion of health and well-being in the same way as we would promote for uh, any other group, I think, was a a real gap that we thought we could target. So I understand that the uh, project is coming to a close in March. So I I wonder, 
this is a question for both of you, Bill, if you, if you want to start, what, what are your hopes, you know, for the project um, now and, and, you know, in the future? Well, now that the project is complete, I, I am hoping that those that are taking the training will be able to go out, pass that knowledge on and get a lot of people with recent diagnoses or people who have been diagnosed for a while uh, will actually come out, get involved, become active and benefit from what we have found from the program. I'm also looking forward, as Laura says, to the new four-year project. Don't know what it's going to do, but it'll be fun. <laughs> you're just on board. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're on board. <laughs> How about exactly. you, Laura? My hope, you know, like we've created this resource that we hope will continue to to live and hopefully still evolve, even though the formal project is done. And I hope that we can get as many people trained as possible. You know, we I've just been talking to the Older Adult Centers Association of Ontario about hopefully promoting some of the training there. And hopefully we can do that across all the provinces. Because to me, the more people in community centers and you know, all of these different uh, settings that understand dementia, the better it'll be. So yeah. that, that's that's my that's my goal now that we've done the formal stages. I hope we can just spread. Yeah. So I, I forgot to ask this earlier on. Um, have you piloted the tools, and and who were some of those partners that um, you piloted with, if you can say? Yeah. So I mean, we had a lot of different partners. We went through. Had two stages of testing. One was, is it easy to use? Mm -hmm. You know, do they can they get around the website and the tools, and is it readable? And and that stage, and we did that with people living with dementia and care partners, and of course community service providers, and a couple of people living from the dementia who did that usability testing decided they liked it so much that they joined the steering team after that, which That's is great. fantastic. <laughs> And then more recently, we just finished up, you know, kind of the pilot implementation that was across the country because, again, COVID, we had to start it all virtually. So we continue that way. Right. We do have, you know, the two kind of lead organizations are U University of Waterloo and the University of Northern British Columbia. So we have a lot of people up there and a lot of people down there. And we got lots of adoption actually in Alberta as well. Um, so, and hopefully it'll continue to spread. I get to see whenever someone registers, um, for the training. And so mm -hmm. I can tell you, there's a few people every day that come in that, so, and hopefully we'll continue to spread that. So if people do want to register, um, yep. they would go to the website and they can find all that information. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You can go straight to the learning modules that are under the community service provider section. And actually a lot of the same information is also on the person living with dementia section of the site. It's just packaged in a different way. That's a little easier to get to. Well, thank you both. It has been fantastic. What a way to end the week. If you would like to get in touch or have our episodes delivered to your inbox, write to us at dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks to the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and to the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. Thanks for listening. My name is Lisa Loisel.